Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate feeling apathetic. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate ripped pants and friends moving. Those things are kind of on different ends of the emotional spectrum i feel <laughs> um no they unless are, they're related they're perfectly lined up no they're not related but you know just as bummed about one as the other <laughs> yeah i hear you it was my favorite my thing pair is of like i've because i've been obviously looking for a job now for like a month if not a little more and I'm just in this weird spot where I'm pretty far along in the process with a couple different places. You know, I've had like fourth interviews and I already have a fifth interview set up with one place. And one, like, that's just a lot. That's a lot of interviews. Yeah. And combine that with I'm still working a full-time job. And the people there have been very supportive of this process. And like, you know, if I need to leave work for an hour to go to a job interview, that's okay. Which seems really weird, but yeah, it's well, not I mean, my fault. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they should be supportive. It's their yeah. fault that that yeah. stuff's going on. Well, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not like my manager's fault that I'm out going to be out of a job. It's still at the no, end of the day, it was, it, it was my decision not to move, but kind of to put me in that position. I agree with you. It's the least that they could do to be supportive of this. Yes. Um, but it's more just like, I still want to do a good job at my current job, but I have that thing fighting against me of like, none of it matters. Right, and I, you know, right. I'm a really, I'm a really, um, opinionated person obviously (laughs) and uh like i'm competitive and i'm a proud person so i want to leave there having done my best work and put them in a position to where i think they can succeed but it's also like when am i overstepping when is me trying to change the direction of something pointless because we have someone else that's going to be taking my job in a couple of weeks i don't know it's it's a weird feeling that I've never dealt with professionally before. And that just leads me to feeling like bleh about the whole situation. Not to mention like there are a couple of job opportunities that I'm pursuing now that could be cool. But like the core of it is it's not like I'm leaving my current job to do this podcast full time or like run my website or to be an actor. I'm still going to go get, get another, another marketing job. jobs. Yeah. 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 And like, and there are certainly cool aspects of it, but it's not like I'm leaving my job right now to go pursue my dream job. That's not really right. where I am. And like, I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm still excited about the opportunities that I have and excited to get in and like learn some new stuff and try new things with a new group of people. But I don't know. It's just that general feeling of apathy that's been hitting me the past couple weeks and it like it permeates through all aspects of my life and that really bums me out i just have this general you know like i don't even know what the adjective would be but i just feel apathetic about everything (laughs) sure it sucks that's up to you man you can no you're right it's all about the attitude yes you are not wrong (laughs) <laughs> and hopefully acknowledging it up front helps me work on it. But uh, there are exciting things. So just, I guess it was a week ago, I was up in your neck of the woods for our oh, family yeah. Thanksgiving. So we got to hang out, which was pretty awesome. Um, it, it was it's just okay. really nice. <laughs> yeah, <I'm sorry. laughs> I hate you. <laughs> it was nice just, uh, you know, especially with the stuff that I'm going through and the stress kind of in my work life to get to be around family and escape from it a little bit. And, you know, it's still kind of nagging in the back of my mind, but it was still like a good, 
break from all of that. Not to mention we sure. got to eat some uh, delicious food and stuff. Oh, man, um, so much food. But also because every year uh, Kelly and I kind of switch off if we're going to go up to the Midwest for Thanksgiving or Christmas. I, sh- I say every year. This is the first year that we've switched. So, like, next year we'll go up for Christmas. But this year we went up for Thanksgiving. That way we can still spend a big holiday with her family here because that's obviously important to us. Yeah. But um, so since I won't be up there for Christmas with – mom we went ahead and did our christmas which like is a pretty sweet deal for us because hey presents a month early <laughs> so um <laughs> yeah. and obviously and like, i, you I already... even got to benefit from it well yeah exactly <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> hopefully the trade-off's worth it not seeing your brother on christmas but you got your presents a month early it's worth <laughs> it um but uh, obviously, you had already gotten me Call of Duty, and so I got that way early, which is awesome. Spread out the Christmas love. And then yeah. uh, you're going to get to see Dad for Christmas, obviously, but he's going to come down here to Georgia in a couple of weeks, and so we're going to do our Christmas then. So I'll have, like, I got my Christmas present from you at the beginning of November, did Christmas with Mom end of November, Christmas with Dad second week of December, then Christmas with Kelly's family end of <laughs> December. So it's like two months of Christmas, Yay. which is like the best way to celebrate christmas uh but anyway it's it's fun because we already opened up a lot a lot of presents and so we can kind of talk about our christmas haul that we got as well as we went out um because we did christmas on black friday in the evening and then we went out to target afterwards to grab some stuff so i just kind of want to break down like our big christmas gifts and then we can do it as well after legit christmas happens yeah dude how about you what would you get for christmas this year kyle (laughs) in november or i guess no it's (laughs) december it's It's december now. now Yeah, this will be going up on the 4th. Fourth. Um, fourth, yeah. So I got South Park, the fractured butthole from you. Thank you Fucking for that. Fucking right you did. That game is amazing. <laughs> and I got Assassin's Creed and uh, Super Lucky's Tale from Mom. Um, mm-hmm. Two kind of opposite platformers. Um, right. Thematically. Uh, got a lot of chocolate. Um, <laughs> from mom's boyfriend, I got, uh, Kara and I both got season passes to the Ren Fair here in Ohio, which is amazing because tickets yeah. are like 20 some bucks per person every time we want to go. So we're like dropping 45, 50 bucks with parking every time we want to go. So having mm-hmm. season passes is pretty huge. Um, do you guys usually go more than one day every year? Yeah, we usually go twice, but now okay. I bet we're probably going to go like four Even times. Even more. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, and I got uh, the full three um, trade arc of Orchid, the comic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm curious once you read through that. Uh, I don't know if you've already been starting it or not, but I, I'm curious to learn more about it because I've never heard of it. And you seem to be pretty excited about it. Yeah, I don't remember where... I heard of it. Um, maybe I was just scrolling through Dark Horse's comic lists and it jumped out at me as something mm-hmm. I would want to try someday if I ever ran out of comics to get with my the ones that I'm following. Um, yeah, so it, seem, it seems pretty interesting. It's like this um, woman who's a prostitute. Uh, there's like this, from what I know, and I may be remembering this incorrectly because I have not actually read it yet, um, this woman who's a prostitute and she becomes like a freedom fighter against the government. Um, mm-hmm. and she kind of uses her, like the connections and some of the dirt that she's gotten over people through being a prostitute 
against that government and some of those officials and stuff. And then there's actually parts where she totally fucks people shit up. Hmm, um, of course. Yeah. So it, it seems like kind of like a badass, like female affirming kind of a, a story thing. Um, where she, you know, she comes if from you, a not it, a really shitty profession and then is kind of like using that to fuel her. Not like revenge necessarily, but yeah, you know her her mission. If you enjoy that, there's a comic that I read the first trade of, and I already can't remember the name of it. And I actually bought it on accident. I thought it was something else. Oh, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Fuck. Um, tell t- tell me about Super Lucky Tale. I'm gonna break the fourth wall. I'm gonna go look for this comic right now because I want to mention it so tell me about super lucky style because i'm curious to hear uh what made you excited about this because it didn't get so such great reviews sure um so i guess like i've been interested in um going back and playing like a classic um action uh action platformer game um it's been a long time since i played something like that like i haven't gone back to play super mario 64 or a banjo kazooie or anything like that and or conquers bad fur day in a really long time so this is an opportunity for me to kind of revisit and see if that kind of game still is applicable to my tastes nowadays because mm-hmm. i never played ukulele you did and i know ukulele you weren't super yeah. up on it or, or super uh, big on it um, there were lots of p- pieces that i liked about it it was just imp- it's it was a combination of bad camera which is just you know, poor design in the first place, sure. but also um, just the way that those 3D platformers used to be structured just doesn't play anymore. There's so much repetition and you just do the same things over and over that I just got burnt out and like it required you to get way more of the collectibles than I wanted to get in order to beat the game. So I got to that final boss and it was like, you've collected 80 out of 100 feathers. And I was like, are you fucking serious? I'm going to go out <laughs> to do all these little mini games. So I just turned it off. It, like, I, I, I enjoyed parts of my time with it, but on the whole, it's kind of hard to recommend. Sure. So, like, I guess how I feel about Super Lucky's Tale is going to inform whether or not I get ukulele on the Switch when it comes out yeah. in December. Yeah. Um, so, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, so, uh, yeah, and that's, as that's an aside, why I got it. The comic is called Lazarus. And it's Lazarus. by Greg that Rucka. Sounds familiar. Yeah, I've talked about this what, on the podcast before, but I do recommend that um, if you end up liking Orchid. What publisher is it from? Uh, Image. Image. Okay. Yeah. Well, so yeah. that's got to be great. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Image only publishes good stuff. <laughs> um, and then, uh, kind of the last thing I got <clears throat> as a gift was Kara uh, uh, and I. We had found this. Uh, Hobbit breakfast canvas painting that we really liked on Etsy. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, the breakfast, morning tea, 11 C's, lunch, dinner, supper, all those different meals and stuff. Um, the Hobbit diet. Yeah, the Hobbit diet. That's what it is. Um, and so it was this really big canvas. We wanted to put it in our dining room. It was like 165 bucks for the biggest canvas size. And so your wife, Kelly, um, she just kind of like made us the sign and it's way cooler than the canvas version. <laughs> like, cause it's all made out of wood and like right. it was stenciled by her and then painted on and everything. It's really, really cool. So that's like, it's nice and sturdy as opposed to like, you know, flimsy canvas thing. So I, I'm not worried about like 
someone bumping into it and poking a hole in it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I did hang that up the other day. So that's already up in the in the dining room, which is it looks real good. We had some people over last night <laughs> to play board games. Um, we played Eldritch Horror, which doesn't mean anything to a lot of people, but if you know what that game is, you're probably like groaning as you listen to this because it's a oh my god it's a oh it's just the hardest board game i've ever played um that kind of lots of rules yeah yes and it's totally stacked against you i mean it's a cthulian Mm. a cthulian thing um so it's supposed to be hard and it's all the odds are stacked against you like holy shit um and we played with the expansions and we it was we played for five hours and because the whole time you're you're trying to avoid the doom counter going down. Because when it goes all the way down, the monster is summoned, and then you have to fight it. And the monster changes, and the scenario changes, and your objectives change each time you play. It kind of goes through these cards that you draw. And our guy, like we had one thing left to do, one little thing, and then we got hit with all this shit on the last like round reset thing, and took our doom counter down like six ticks down to the bottom and it summoned him and then we had to fight him and we like we did like half his health i think and then mm-hmm. he killed all of us so it was a five hours first effort it, yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah it was a valiant effort um so we we did that last night and they they all complimented me on my hobbit diet sign nice yeah good stuff and then uh for black friday so like you said we did christmas on black friday and then in the evening after we had eat or before we had eaten we went out uh and went out to target and picked up some stuff i got super mario odyssey on the switch need for speed payback because i'm a glutton for punishment uh mafia (laughs) 3 because it was 15 dollars um and i got fate of the furious on blu-ray just to complete my uh anthology of furious um and uh, then I, I got some steam games and stuff too like wolfenstein 2 on pc everybody's going cool. to the rapture prison boss vr and keep talking and nobody explodes for vr so i got those like all of those together for like 50 bucks sweet on the, on the steam sale which is pretty awesome so so d- did you have you never played everybody's gone to the rapture i have not um okay i i was going to get it on ps4 at some point uh, and I don't think I ever wound up actually getting it. So it's a really interesting game. I mean, I like those kind of walking simulators. Uh, the world is really cool. I, I didn't find it too like I didn't think it really wrapped up in any satisfying way. Okay. Um, which because there's like no gameplay, you're just literally walking around and witnessing these kinds of things that happened before. I don't know. I just didn't feel like there was a super satisfying conclusion, but uh, it's a really cool concept. Very much like The Leftovers, actually. Okay. Um, Well, you... uh, Have you played What Remains of Edith Finch? Yes. Okay. And you you really liked that one, right? Yeah, that one I really enjoyed. uh, Because there's more gameplay to it. And it kind of... I mean, it's a collection of vignettes, basically. Where in each one you're doing something a little different. And kind of the whole hook is... um, Like, it's it's how each family member died. And each one is just in a really creative way. There's there's one that I remember where uh, the story is of a guy who worked at this, like... 
uh, fishmonger place where he's basically slicing the heads off of fish every day. And he basically, Mm. like, he got depressed and killed himself. And uh, the way that you journey through that, like, his mind gets very distracted. So you start out where you're basically on an assembly line and the fish comes through and you chop the fish as it goes by. And you're just doing that monotonous task over and over again. But then his mind starts to wander. And so on the screen, you start to see visualizations of this, like, heroic journey that's happening in his head with this, you know, knight kind of character. And so then you're controlling the knight character moving through his story at the same time as you're cutting the fish and kind of that, like... Interesting. You know, dichotomous nature. And I don't know, it's just a really cool, like that. that's one example of really cool vignettes. And there's also a really nice nod to um, Giant Sparrow's previous game, Unfinished Swan. There's one character that it plays around a lot with that. Oh, okay. And I love Unfinished Swan. To me, that's one of the yeah, most underrated too. PlayStation 3 games. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Recommend Edith Finch as well. Cool. I was. I think it's on PC too. So I, I was gonna try and pick it up during like the winter holiday sale if it's on sale. Mm-hmm. I think I was gonna try and yeah. grab it then. Um, so what cool. about you? What was your haul like? Um. Yeah, I got some stuff. I guess. Uh, I <laughs> also got Assassin's Creed Origins. I'm excited to kind of dive into that. I've heard good things, surprising good things about the game. It was pretty off my radar just because I burnt out of Assassin's Creed and I wasn't really looking to dive back in. But seeing the reviews come and people talking about, you know, having been in the same boat as me where Black Flag was good, but they just weren't interested after that. Now playing Origins and kind of that getting them back into the game, I was wanting to give it a try. Um, Black Friday wise, I picked up Prey because it was 15 bucks. I'd played the demo and had a lot of issues with the controls. Just didn't think that the camera and the movement was great, but I know they have patched it since. And because it was $15, I, Bioshock's probably my favorite game of all time. So anything that's going to give me a little bit of those same vibes, I'm willing to give it another shot. I also got the Bioshock Collection. Shocker. <laughs> it was one of my favorite <laughs> games. And uh, that's not something I'm going to be playing in the near future because I have so many other things to play, but I just want any excuse to play through those games again yeah i also got uh and this was like you know like you bought uh the eighth fast and the furious to kind of fill out that anthology i got the last two hobbit movies on blu-ray because i realized when i was like grasping for gift ideas i realized that i only had the first one and i think i've only seen each one like once in theaters yeah and i was like ah I didn't love any of those three Hobbit movies, but as a giant Lord of the Rings fan, I should own them. So I will watch through all six of those movies for fun at some point in the not-too-distant future. Uh, I also got the Prince of Thorns book trilogy. That was the big book series that I asked for, um, partially on your recommendation, so I'm excited to dive into that. I'm like two-thirds through rereading the fifth Harry Potter book and that's kind of been slow going because I will read like a chapter two at work a week so I've been trying to read it a little more often because once I finish that then I'll jump to the Prince of Thorns series so hopefully in the next couple of months is when I'll be starting that and then just some like fun little kitschy things um I got this cool uh bottle opener that is the hand of the king symbol it's like a giant metal uh, symbol from the Hand of the King from Game of Thrones that's a bottle opener and like a letter opener and it's just, I want to wear it all the time because it looks <laughs> badass I also got some Game of Thrones glasses 
and I don't know what the type of glasses they are, but they're like stemless wine glasses that you can also, you know, I mean, you can put whatever you want in them, but they're designed for like red wine or whiskey, that kind of thing. So one of them has right. the Stark sigil and the other has the Targaryen symbol. So those are pretty sweet. Um, I also got a lot of chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate is a good Christmas gift. And um, got an Urban Dictionary board game from Mom, which we we all played when we were over there. It's kind of a combination of Cards Against Humanity and if anyone has ever played the Know Your Meme game, mm-hmm. which I know you, you have, Kyle, and we've played it before. So, like, some of the things are... Um, Cards Against Humanity, where it's like fill in the blanks and you just use your funny things. But the answers or the, I guess, like the nouns and verbs are all urban dictionary entries. Right. And then there are also ones where it'll show like a meme photo and like what best describes this meme photo. It was fun. I would say I didn't like it as much as I like uh, Cards Against Humanity or Know Your Meme. Yeah. Partially just because a lot of the urban dictionary terms were things i was very unfamiliar with and they all have like definitions on the cards but it kills the momentum a little bit when you're having to read the definition before you're picking the winning card i don't know it's it's a fun idea that i think maybe could have been executed a little better but i'm sure kelly and i'll play that with friends uh from time to time and then finally kind of like as a throwaway little um, fun gift, Kelly bought me a Nintendo Switch. Hey, um, so, like, what other stuff have you been playing recently? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I've, I've been t- I've been talking about it for a while. I've been wanting to buy a Switch, and uh, Kelly was already on board with me going ahead and buying one. And because she's amazing, she went ahead and got it for me anyway. Kind of her logic was because I, I had some money. I actually still have money left over from last Christmas that I never spent. And then I got like, I recently got a um, marketing award at work. And so I got some money through that and I've been saving up to try to buy a switch. And her whole thing was like, let me, or she didn't tell me ahead of time, but after I opened it, she was like, I wanted to buy you the switch so you could use that money on games and the accessories and the other fun stuff. Like, I don't want you to just buy the switch and then feel like you can't buy games because you've already spent all that money. So now my work is cut out for me to buy her some awesome Christmas gift because she got me a pretty cool one. And yeah. props to her even more for letting me open it early so I can play games. Right, um, right. But yeah, so got the Switch, went with the gray one. Uh, I just, the red and the blue didn't really do it for me, so yeah, I wanted me the gray. And then I got, um, shit, what did I buy? So we went to Black for Black Friday, and I the, there were four games that I want to buy on Switch right now. Zelda, Mario Odyssey, Mario Kart 8, and Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. And I didn't want to go buy all eight of those games because anyway, I also had to get some accessories. I wasn't going to play all ga- all four of those games at once anyway. So it was like, what what should I buy? So I got Zelda as my first single player experience on Switch. And then we also got Mario Kart 8 so that Kelly and I could play together because she was really excited to play Mario Kart 8. She loves Mario Kart. Um, That was one of the first things before we even started dating when we were just like hanging out with mutual friends. That's one of the things we did like a couple times a month. We'd go over to a friend's house and play Mario Kart Double Dash on GameCube at a buddy's house. So that's like a fun nostalgia trip for us. So we've been playing that a little bit. And then um, 
you talked about this last episode, but you had gotten that those wired kind of off-brand Switch controllers. So rather than spending the $70 on a new Switch controller, we went ahead and got that same one that you and Kara got, the red wired controller. And then uh, got like a carrying case for it, the screen cover. Uh, we got like a little dock sleeve to you know prevent the screen from getting scratched because Nintendo doesn't know how to make good systems and then uh, bought a new micro SD card, and we did all that kind of on Cyber Monday. So just got all that stuff a couple days ago, and I'm excited to play around with it. So, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of a full list of our Christmas Black Friday haul. We'll have even more stuff to talk about uh, end of December once the legit Christmas happens. So with all of our big toys, have you had the opportunity to play with any of them, or what? Solid segue. Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, a, a couple things. So, um, Wolfenstein Two on PC. I'm about nine or ten hours into it now. Um, it does this really weird thing I wasn't expecting because the first couple Wolfenstein games, well, I guess not the first couple, but the first two of the new Wolfenstein games, right? Um, they it's very linear. Like it has a story it wants to tell. You go through these levels. You can kind of play how you want, um, like stealth or action, but it's still pretty linear. Um, this one, the areas are bigger. It's still kind of funneling you down this path, but I hit this weird part in the story where it opened up. Cause like you kill officers and you get these Enigma codes and you can use these Enigma codes in an Enigma machine back on your mm -hmm. like home base ship thing. And at a certain part in the story, you can go to the Enigma machine and use those codes to, like, unlock locations of assassination targets, like, different officers. And mm -hmm. I'm unclear of what it does, but I was, like, going back to areas I had been to using, like, this giant, like, uh, holographic planning commander table thing in the middle of, like, the command center. And I was, like plotting courses for the ship or the submarine ship thing I was on and going there, assassinating the targets in these little like one-off missions. And then it was like blanking out parts of the map as I was doing it. So I'm assuming it was like hmm. clearing parts of the map and potentially making something easier for me. I don't think it's okay. something I have to do, but I went ahead and did it just to do it. It was this really weird thing where I was, it was this very neatly packed, I mean, it's fabulous game so far, but then it opened up in this really weird specific way right. where like, yeah. cause you get Enigma codes from the officers, but you have to spend those Enigma codes for a chance to play a mini game on the Enigma <laughs> machine to unlock the dudes. So it's okay. possible that you don't even, it's possible that you fail too many times and then can't get enough Enigma codes to unlock all the guys. Um, I did, but, like, because, I mean, the minigame isn't that hard once you figure it out. But I failed the first two times, and I was worried I wasn't going to have enough Enigma codes okay. to get them all. Yeah. I still did. But it's still, like, a weird possibility that you could run out of these things because there are only a certain number of officers in the game. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. It was very strange. <laughs> it was very strange. How, how far in the game do you think you are? Because, I mean, to me, when you say, like, you're eight or nine hours in, that seems like you would be pretty far into the, a single-player shooter campaign. Yeah, also, it feels like the game has ended and then found another way to keep going, like, three okay. times already. <laughs> which I is kind of funny. Um, and, like, <laughs> oh, man, I was not... Oh, 
there's some shit that goes on in that game that is I know, ridiculous. Because like, my thing is, I, I played the first game. I got through maybe half of it, I think. And I just kind of, I just wasn't having that much fun. And so I just mm-hmm. kind of stopped playing. And I've heard in this game, shit is fucking bonkers. But that it's it insane. isn't that much fun to play either. Like, most of what oh, I've heard is people just, that. like, turn it down to the easiest difficulty and just kind of kill everything and go through so they can see the story. I think that's I don't a lazy know, way to play the game. I'm playing yeah, on I the guess. medium difficulty. People keep okay. saying it's too hard, whatever. There's only been, like, one section where I was like, holy shit, this was hard. But, and I had to try it multiple times. But otherwise, yeah. I die because of, like, a stupid mistake I made. Um, or, like, there was a guy I didn't see... I think I've only died a total of like five or six times in those nine mm-hmm. hours. So I mean, it's not a hard game. Of course, I am playing on PC, so like my, I'm sure I'm the pulling aiming off is aiming easier. and headshots and stuff that console players probably can't as readily. Um, right. So that probably makes a difference too. Uh, what platform you're playing it on? But yeah, and also I think playing on easy is a totally valid way to play it because like if. You're there for the ridiculous story and to just blow up some fucking Nazis. Easy difficulty would totally give that to you. And I think it yeah. would still be fun just because of how many dudes you're right. killing. Because it's a I'm lot try- of dudes. I'm trying to decide if, because I never finished the first game, nor you know the old blood... Like, if I would even get as much out of it as I would want having not played that. And you so- don't need to do old blood. I would say finish okay. the. I would say finish New Order, and then you could play two and be fine. But the whole issue is, I mean, the Giant Bomb Game of the Year podcasts are coming up in a couple of weeks, sure. and that's like the one of the things I look forward to most about the holidays is them their Game of the Year deliberations. And Garen fucking T, they're going to be spoiling every big moment of Wolfenstein Two. Yeah. So it's like if I was going to play it. I either need to play it right now or I need to wait to listen to the podcast. So I'm trying to decide, like, is it worth going? Because I would need to start the first game over again. It's been, a, like, over a year since I played it. So, like, do I go back and play the first game and then the second one? Or do I just say, fuck it and listen to the podcast? And then then there's no way I would play the second one ever. Yeah, like, that's... Mm, I don't know. that I don't... Hmm. Because... The, there's just the so much other game, stuff. Yeah, I There's know. There's so much but other like stuff the, I want to play. There are certain games out there that like the spoilers don't matter as much because it's right. not as big of a part of the experience. And I feel like right. for this, while killing Nazis and stuff is fun, the real draw is the bonkers storytelling and characters that they're yeah. going for and like the little like the the moments that happen in the dark corners of the game that like mm-hmm. you have to seek out. And then it's like this really hilarious Easter egg. Um, mm-hmm. There, it's chock full of that stuff. Um, and so, like, I don't that uh, Wolfenstein Two. I don't think is a game that you want those moments to be spoiled for because it is so integral to the experience, and it's yeah. so much of the draw is discovering those moments. Um, because if you hear about them beforehand, it's not gonna the impact won't be as significant. Um, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if I listen to the spoiler stuff when they talk about best moment, best story, whatever, I just won't ever play Wolfenstein. Sure. I don't know. I guess that's. I mean, that's up to you. But yeah, I would, and part of it's too. Like, I just. I mean, they would cost me because now that all these sales are over, I have to go buy the first game, and then I have to buy the second one for sixty bucks. Like, 
It's like an eighty dollar investment to play something that I'm not even super excited about. Sure. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. But for me, I just have so many other games that are on my play right now that it, it's that that's. I think the fact that that hasn't riven, risen on my must play list kind of maybe tells me that I would rather just let it be spoiled. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see what fair. happens. That's fair. I, I'm um, going to have to wait a little bit to listen to their podcasts anyway because there are so many games that I have yet to play. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I would prefer to have a better, because obviously they're going to be talking about Zelda. They're going to be talking about Mario. And I'm going to play those games in the near future. So I would rather have some sort of context as I'm listening. Yeah. Um, also, I played Skyrim on Switch. So I had said I had bought it mm-hmm. on the last mm-hmm. episode, but I don't think I would played it yet. So playing Skyrim on Switch, uh, it, it's it's been a long time since I played regular Skyrim. You know, I played that right and and Enderall thing that like fan made the PC mod, game. yeah, 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 um, in the Skyrim engine. So I I played that, but I hadn't played actual Skyrim in a long time. So it's nice to jump back into that. And the controls aren't the best in the world, but they get the mm-hmm. job done. Because, I mean, the combat and stuff never felt great in Skyrim. But right. and, and so, like, with the Switch controller and stuff, it's even less so. But I'm getting by. Like, I'm still pulling off good bow shots and stuff. Um, okay. So the, it's Does it have the same, like, teleporting as, as most of the VR games have? Where you, like, point to an area and you can teleport there? No. So this is on... This is on Switch. Yep, it is. It is on Switch. I was. I heard you say <laughs> Switch, and I was thinking VR. <laughs> Never mind. No. no. Um, so it's just like it plays like a regular version of Skyrim. I um, right. I tried out the motion controls, and they were not very good. So okay. I turned them off very quickly. Um, well, honestly, like the shield bashing and stuff isn't so bad because like like the actual like sword thrust and shield bash stuff isn't terrible. But it's still just easier to play with a controller. Um, sure. So, I, in a game where it's already hard to aim, I don't want to also be wildly flailing my arms. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, I've been really having a good job, uh, a good time jumping back into Skyrim. Because I, I really loved that game. I still have a bigger affinity yeah. for Oblivion. Because it was my, okay. like, my very first open world first person RPG. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I have a, and I, I think some of the writing was better, and, and the quests were more memorable. Uh, Certainly, the, like Oblivion. the Dark Brotherhood quest in sure. Oblivion is better than Dark Brotherhood in Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the uh, the gray uh, the gray fox stuff with the thieves guild in Oblivion right. is way better than the thieves guild stuff in Skyrim. And just the, the over the overarching story too, I think yeah. it was better it's in Oblivion than in Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. the the kind of the end of Skyrim where things really start coming to a head with all the dragon stuff, I think is really well handled. It's but, very um, slow. The er, more of the early game, yeah, it's very slow. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it doesn't give you a great. It doesn't give you a whole lot of motivation to stick with the main story as opposed to mm-hmm. just go do your own shit. Um, well, and the the little side things are are oftentimes better, and I I think sure. that that's true of Oblivion too. But Skyrim has so many more ambient stories than oblivion even had just were like you randomly walk up to someone and they have a quest for you that can end up being something cool and like all the little caves where you find the daedric artifacts that like or like you know you walk into the one random cave and it's like oh i bet you this is like a little bandit camp where i'm gonna walk in here and fight a bear right and then 10 minutes later as you're fighting through Falmar, you fucking stumble upon black reach like right it just those those games are so big and expansive that 
having a main story that's less than awesome to me is like a pretty small criticism just because of the sure, sheer yeah. amount of content. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah. also like Oblivion had more ways for you to feel powerful and like mm-hmm. feel like you're getting one out, one over on the game. Like, like the boots of spring heel Jack, like they give you plus 50 acrobatics, which is like, it's like the biggest buff of any item in the game for an attribute. Mm-hmm. And so you're supposed to like, break into the imperial city the imperial palace and steal the elder scroll and then you fall all the way down (laughs) and those boots allow you to survive so i wanted to keep the and like the boots break like that's part of the quest Mm. because if you're wearing them they break so i was like well maybe if i like had high enough health i could just survive the fall so i i drank like a couple fortify acrobatics potions and a bunch of fortify health stuff cast some spells fell and like barely survived but i still had the boots so, like, I could still run around with plus 50 acrobatics, and my yeah. acrobatics was already at 100 because I jumped everywhere I went. And so I'm, like, leaping onto houses, <laughs> and I'm, like, out of the walls of Braville. Like, yeah, that game, it was full of that stuff. And Morrowind even more so. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but Skyrim doesn't really have any of that. You know, like, any yeah, of there, that, there aren't the, as the many ways jank. to game the system. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, good, the jank. good jank, yes. Um, so it, it kind of loses some of the personality in that respect. Um, so, you know, play more of that. Uh, also, I, <laughs> so Animal Crossing Pocket Camp came out <laughs> and I had an iPhone 5C in 8 gig because mm-hmm. it was my free upgrade at the time and I really needed a phone and I had no money. So I've been dealing with having an 8 gig phone for like a year and a half, which is terrible. I'm like deleting text threads to save space and like I can yeah, only have one terrible. mobile game at a time. I'm deleting photos. Uh, it's, it's bad news. So I was like, you know what? Straw that broke the camel's back. I'm going to get a new phone. So I got the iPhone SE, a 32 gig, and it runs Animal Crossing beautifully. I no nice. longer have to delete text threads or photos. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great feeling because that cuts out like half of my phone time because sure. I was spending a lot of time like managing that stuff and checking my uh hard drive space and all that so that's a nice feeling not to have to worry about that stuff anymore and playing animal crossing is fantastic it's the most fun i've had with a mobile game but i will say it just makes me want a core animal crossing game more (laughs) right like the weird thing is because animal crossing was like the original timer game like you can only do so many things and then you have to wait to refresh stuff now you could like go into your console and change the clock and cheat it that way but it was like the original um cooldown game now like the weird thing in this is those cooldowns are on display so it's like oh two and a half hours until there's more fruit on these trees oh an hour and a okay. half until all the people rotate for you to do like uh requests for um so that's it's like it's weird because it it like it peels off this thin veneer of charm and then it's like oh <laughs> this is just what animal crossing is and then the other weird thing is oh i could totally like animal crossing works with single finger touch controls like sure. i was using an entire controller on the gamecube i literally yeah. all i have to do is use my finger like oh and it, it kind of in a weird disenfranchising way is illuminating parts of Animal Crossing, parts of, like, uh, the background concepts and... Uh, not concepts, the, the background mechanics of Animal Crossing in ways that I 
don't know if I like. Like, I don't know if I appreciate seeing... Well, it kind of highlights that there isn't a ton of gameplay in Animal Crossing. Right. Like, and you're I just don't kind like of that. doing chores. It doesn't make me feel good. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels more like chores than regular Animal Crossing. And, like, yeah. the other part of it is because there's a disconnect because all the areas are separate. So you go to a world map and go to each area instead of, like, oh, I'm wandering around my town... It's okay. like you don't have a town. You have a campsite that you have some ownership of and, like, you can decorate and stuff and people visit and you can do requests for them and yada, yada. But it's like I don't feel like I have the sense of ownership that I did as mayor in um, New Leaf on the 3DS. I think that's probably the best Animal Crossing game they've made to date is New Leaf on the 3DS. Um, just in, in terms of the number of things you can do and the amount of freedom you have and, and how you do it. Because um, in this one, like, you have a campsite, but the size stays static, and you have a camper that you're upgrading size on and, like, adding a floor to, and, and you can decorate that, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't know, it's just, it's strange in a lot of ways, and it's definitely a mobile game. Like, they're out for the microtransactions. Like, you can sure. buy you can buy leaf tickets that speed up the refresh rate on stuff that take the place of crafting ingredients that you don't have for different furniture and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use them to expand inventory slots and, and unlock new crafting slots and all this stuff. Um, so that exists, but they, I feel like they're giving you leaf tickets at a pretty solid clip as you level up and log in. There's all these bonuses that you're getting every day for logging in and you okay. level up pretty quickly by doing the requests for animals and leveling them up. So you're getting this, these in this influx of leaf tickets pretty readily um, to where I don't, I haven't felt the need to spend money on them yet. Um, That's good. Now I know. So the weird thing they did is they rele- uh, they locked Tom Nook and uh, Totakeke, KK Slider, mm-hmm. behind a paywall essentially because it's like you unlock their chairs, and if you you have to pay leaf tickets to get their chairs, and it's like a lot of leaf tickets. So, and then you put your their chair in your campsite, and they'll come visit, and you can like do requests ah. for them, and they'll like entertain your animals that are there and stuff. So, but you have to pay leaf tickets to get them, and that's the only way. So, the two most popular Animal Crossing characters they locked behind leaf tickets, yeah. which you yeah, can earn in game, but it is a lot, which means that yeah. you're not spending them on like extra crafting slots and extra inventory slots and stuff like that so but you know also the game is free sure they that's what i was just gonna say they spent money it, to develop it, it so yeah i understand it makes that. it like, more complicated when it is a free-to-play game because obviously right. you like you have to accept that as a free-to-play game i and i take this approach too but i feel like a lot of people look at a free-to-play game and then complain about the microtransactions yeah. in it but it's like no it was free to download i guess my reasoning is like i would rather pay five dollars for the game up front and have access to everything than be nickel and dimed and have my experience worsened unless i continue to pay real money i don't know it just the 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 business model of the free-to-play game is not something that i like and that just is what it is do you think is this game because i downloaded this is this something that i'm even going to get anything out of as someone that doesn't really have a huge affinity for animal crossing um, uh, I don't know. Because everything you're describing about it makes me go, ah, I don't really Well, because it's, it's all about, 
they have characters from the game, like the animals sure. that you can get in your town. So like people who play Animal Crossing have favorite friend like animals from those games that they want in their campsite and they want to befriend mm-hmm. and like level friendships up and stuff. If you don't have that, like that's a pretty core part of the game that you're not sure. interested in. Um, I would say I have like three or four animals that one of them I have not encountered yet because I'm probably not a high enough level. Because as you level up, you unlock new characters every level for you to like. You have okay. to craft the furniture they like and then put it in your campsite and they'll come and you can invite mm-hmm. them and then they can stay if you want them to. If you have enough space or whatever. So there are a couple of animals that I have not encountered yet that I would like to be in my campsite. Um, and a couple that I like that are already in there. So, like, for me, that's my draw is I want to find these other characters. And, like, yeah. I want to – I have this compulsion to complete these furniture sets and stuff. Like, right now <laughs> there's a Christmas event going on, so I'm trying to get all the mm-hmm. Christmas stuff. Um, and there's, like – so if we're doing requests for your animal friends, you get candy canes. And there's a quarry that you can do, like, once or twice a day. You can either pay 20 leaf tickets to do it. Or you can get help from five friends in the game, like real people that you do a friend code thing for, and then you're allowed to do the quarry thing. So I have like 35 Mm -hmm. friends. So as soon as I (laughs) send out that request, like 20 minutes later, they've responded to it. Because if they respond to it, they get like, they get a small reward when I do the quarry. Uh So that's the motivation for doing that. Incentivizing them, yeah. Right. Um, Yeah, I don't don't know. It's like... it has it's like the ghost of animal crossing's past like it's <laughs> it's um, to use a christmas analogy there's it's um there it's shadow it's a shadow of what animal crossing is mm-hmm. um and and like yeah and it's it's showing me these aspects of animal crossing that maybe i kind of don't appreciate it having in front of my face as opposed to like behind a wall um, I don't know. I'm I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I'm gonna keep playing it because it's the one game I have on my phone right now. But right, I'm still not. I'm still not sure about it. I'm I'm I, I'm I'm having fun. I'm having fun. It's which like is all bringing. I can really ask for. It's like bringing a really hot girl home, and then the next day, like the next morning, you see her without makeup, and you're like, uh, maybe it was Maybelline. That's just like what that. Animal exactly Crossing Pocket like Camp is like. One to one. But actually, uh, speaking of phone games, I haven't played it, but I also downloaded the South Park Phone Destroyer phone game. Oh, yeah. So maybe maybe that's something to try out. And I still need – I just never play games on my phone. I played a little bit of Super Mario Run and was immediately like, this is a bad game. Yeah. And then I played I played some of that um, Magikarp Jump, which like I had fun with it for a little that's bit. But like I was like, there's not, not that- even a game. Yeah, I was like, there's nothing here, and I just kind of got out of it after playing. I probably played for like two hours or something when I was sitting yeah. on the toilet. Not one sitting, but kind of over <laughs> several <laughs> weeks. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I want to try Animal Crossing, and I want to try South Park. It's just phones are not the means of playing games that I want. So I don't think I'm ever going to get super into a phone game. Yeah, we'll I don't think I will either. Um so that's basically what I've been playing. I've been reading the new Stormlight Archives book by Brandon Sanderson. It is phenomenal. The, um, like, 1,300-page one? 1,208 <laughs> or 1,230, I think. 
Um, Still watching The Punisher because every time I want to watch it, Kara says she doesn't. And Mm. she said, if I watch it by myself, I have to be prepared to watch it again with her. Right. So I guess I'm just waiting to watch the show that I really want to watch. Sounds like you're in a relationship. Sounds like it. Uh, And then I've been so instead I've been watching Blacklist because I only ever watched the first season of it. And there are four seasons. I remember liking the first season. Um, So I just finished season two and started season three. Um, That show's pretty good. It's pretty good. Kelly and I watched the first, we watched the first couple episodes and I certainly liked the concept, Yeah, but it was like, and here's some spoilers for the first season of The Blacklist, but they set up this mystery of like, uh, what's this, what's his face? What's the actor? The main dude. Oh, who is um, that? uh, uh, James Spader. Spader. James Spader. Yes, James Spader. I always confuse him with Kevin Spacey, and they're not the same. But James Spader's character, they're, like, teasing that there is some sort of relationship with one of these younger female characters. Like, what could possibly be the relationship? And literally, like, ten seconds into them establishing that, I'm like, oh, well, he's her dad. Fucking duh. And they stretched that mystery out for, like, four episodes. And like didn't or like not it was I think it was even longer than that because by the time Kelly and I were like ah this show's bad they hadn't even revealed it yet and Kelly went ahead and like googled it just to see and I guess that was like the big reveal at the end of season one is that he's her dad and I was like are you serious that should have been the reveal in the pilot like it's so obvious well I guess you, I don't know you were misinformed what does that mean he is. I I don't even want to say it because that's a spoiler in and of itself, but you have a misconception about the show that I want to correct. He is not her father. He is connected to her in another way. And they are I'm I just finished season 2 and they are still dancing around what that might be, but there are other aspects of that mystery that have been answered and more information has been given. And so it's that mystery has evolved in a really interesting way. So did that change? Like, was that a reveal and then now they've changed it? I think it was, no, I think it was intentional misdirection. Because they want the audience to think, the obvious thing is, as you said, oh, he's her father, duh. They lean kind of heavily on that in the first season as a bit of a red herring, I think. Okay. It's been a long time since I watched the first season. I don't have a perfect memory of it. But I believe that's an intentional red herring. Okay. Because, I mean, in, I, like, I wasn't looking up the legit spoilers. But and the, I, like, the way that Kelly pitched it was that was the reveal. And it's possible that that was the reveal. But then they kind of have evolved that and added mystery to it. I don't know. But that seemed super lame. So I'm glad to hear that that wasn't the case. Yeah. And it, it's also cool because, it, or maybe not cool, but interesting because it's an intentional red herring for the audience and the main female character. Right. So like she, because she's struggling with, is he my dad or is he not? And if he is, what does mm-hmm. that mean? If he's not, what does that mean? And like that's a cool internal struggle. And her character has grown and changed in some interesting ways uh, just even through season two. So I'm excited to see where it goes in season three as well. Um the bigger thing for There's me about it was happens. just the writing of it. And I think that it's just down to network versus cable writing and sure. the audience of those different kinds of networks. And it, everything just feels like network shows 
particularly network dramas, I just feel like people talk about how they feel. And it feels very, it's not real to life, but they have to dumb it down for middle America. And that's how the blacklist felt. It felt like this, it felt like this cable ready concept that was really unique and fresh, but they had to dumb it down and make it less interesting for the masses. And that I just, again, with how many um, quality shows there are, we watched maybe three or four episodes and we were just like, this is super painfully, painfully obvious what's going on. The characters aren't interesting. The dialogue is really poor. So we're, it's just, it wasn't worth sticking to for us. I'm glad to hear like it at least grabbed you and seems like it's got more interesting over time. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's that's on them that they maybe leaned too heavily into the he's her dad thing mm-hmm. because yeah I, I guess the whole point of that show well, not the whole point but a big part of the sh- watching the show is about that mystery so if you feel like you already have it figured out then there's not much reason for you to stick with it right um, so yeah maybe maybe uh, well I know there's got to be a better way for them to have done that but yeah maybe they just leaned too heavily on that then maybe they yeah and maybe you know, also possible that that's a product of dumbing it down for <laughs> the average american audiences they yeah. wanted to make it as obvious as possible um because they wanted people to buy into it heavily and then maybe it just didn't quite pay off in a way they hoped um but I'm, yeah I'm it still, just I'm it didn't it. grab me yeah that's good it it's just didn't grab me the way i wanted it to because i love james spader i think he's brilliant he does so a I'm really nice job to... in this. Like, there are some really powerful yeah. moments between him and the and the lead female in the show. Cool. Which those those are some of my favorite moments. And like, uh, he's like, it's weird because he doesn't like he looks so unassuming, but he's a sure his character is a total badass. Like, just yeah, will yeah. do anything. And there's this awesome moment where he's injured in season two, and he has this revolver with. Uh, six shots which he actually shot seven i have an issue with but it's because mm-hmm. it's a revolver so there should be six shots not seven but like these guys come through and he's like lying on a hospital bed and they're mm-hmm. like behind a curtain thing and he shoots each dude twice and that's four shots and then another dude comes around the corner and he shoots him three times and he has like he's like bleeding and like about to <laughs> pass out and he pulls up like he hits him with every bullet and then he like looks at the gun it's empty and he just kind of tosses it to the side he's like oh god like, like he, he hit just <laughs> enough bullets and he did it yeah it was a, it was a fun, fun moment so yeah and the show is full of like just him being really cryptic towards mm-hmm. other criminals mm-hmm. in a way that like makes them shit their pants and that's mm-hmm. always fun to watch yeah um, that's why we wanted to check it out in the first place especially like listen to jeff talk about it on the bobcast a while ago just like how bat shit that show can get and like how yeah. crazy and over the top it can get that's what excited me and at least the first couple episodes i didn't feel like delivered on that sure i i think it it takes I think it takes a good half, if not more, of the first season to ramp up to some of that sure. stuff. But then pretty much the whole second season is like that. <laughs> uh, right. I, I had a good time with season two. I Again, I don't have a great memory of season one because um, it's been a, a while since I watched it. But I, I'm glad I uh, went back through my Netflix queue and was like, oh, there's four seasons of this thing now? Um, right. I'm glad I saw that and am watching it now. Um, cool. So that's kind of mostly what I've been doing. Kara's been 
trying to finish Kingdom Hearts, and she has been expressing a great degree of frustration with how slow she is leveling up. Um, she went to Hollow Bastion <laughs> as like level mm-hmm. thirty eight, which is pretty okay. low. It's recommended like forty four online, ah. and so she finished the first. Well, she went back and faced Riku the second time just now. I th- I think I heard her uh, rejoicing uh, earlier in this <laughs> podcast in the other room. Um, she just beat Riku's second form, um, mm-hmm. so. I think she was like level forty nine or something. So I think she's on track to be okay for the end of the world stuff. So because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I want her to finish it because Kingdom Hearts is great, and then also Kingdom so Hearts is a good game. Move on to, she can move on to other stuff. Yeah. She's just like that game can be very frustrating because the AI is not good. Like Donald and Goofy suck horribly. Sure. Um, and uh, like so, some of the some of the combat. The animations kind of overcommit, uh, and so it can be it can be difficult to compensate for that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think well, it's just a really long game it. too. It is like if long. you if you want to if you want to go to all the worlds and kind of experience what they all have to offer. I mean, it's like an eighty hour game. It's, yeah, there's a lot. And, and, there. Like, she, she wanted to get all the trinities and yeah, all exactly. That stuff. And, and in the final mix version, crafting the Ultima weapons. I mean, holy crap! I looked up what that entails. There are all these special enemies you have to go defeat for their stuff. In the final right. mix version, like it's way harder than the original. Like, wow, that's nuts. That does not seem like something I would want to <laughs> do. Uh, so I doubt she'll do that. I right. I kind of told her, yeah, please don't try to go for the ultimate weapon. It will take you definitely not years. necessary. Yeah, no. Um, so yeah, so that's that's been my uh, my end of stuff. What about what about you? What all have you been doing? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, part of it's frustrating because like i'm really excited to have all my new toys to play with but because i just got everything this past week and then i was just the previous two days i was out of town for work so it's like i haven't had time to dig into anything and so today after we record this podcast on a saturday i plan on spending all day long playing zelda at least i hope assuming i don't hate it but uh i just haven't had a chance to dive into a lot of the new stuff yet um still chipping away at south park i'm like 18 hours in i thought i was hitting kind of the climax and i had this big boss battle and then it was like okay here's the next piece i was like oh geez really (laughs) so i think i'm getting near the end um but i mean 18 hours in, i feel like i've been playing that game for more than 18 hours in a good way um we watched a little bit more mine hunter nothing really to add on that um been playing some mario kart 8 kelly and i have we have we hadn't had two controllers so we would just kind of trade off and um, working our way through like the 50cc Grand Prix kind of pre-made um, structured levels and everything. So uh, it's a fun game. I like Mario Kart. I'm more excited. That That's just like our, hey, Friday night, we want to spend some time playing. We can both play that and it'll be fun and I'll kick her ass every single time. Um, <laughs> let's see. When we were in town, I got to try the Oculus Rift for the first time. Yeah. So... I and I mentioned this before I went ahead and bought a Google cardboard a while ago just to like experience VR and it certainly wasn't like the completely immersive experience because it's just on my little phone in a you know literally cardboard box uh, but it was like a cool thing to be able to look around but this was a whole other world literally and figuratively so yeah. Kelly tried it and she played some job simulator so I was watching her do it and that seemed cool but for me like I wanted to jump in and do something that was a little bit more of like a like video gamey so of course played some super hot and uh, yeah, you did. it was fucking 
badass, dude. It's so I, cool. I, I played Super Hot on PC, and because I'm just not great at the mouse and keyboard in first person, I didn't really get everything out of it that I wish I would have because my aim just isn't as good. Uh, and so I was excited to jump into this and really had a new appreciation for Super Hot. And so there was one specific moment where I was like, VR is mind blowing. <laughs> where, because obviously in the game, time moves only when you move. So I'm up against these dudes and kind of trying to plan out when I'm going to move and avoid their shit. And the dude shoots at me. He's like right in front of me and he shoots at me. And so I start to move and the bullet's traveling right at me. And I literally moved my head and watched the bullet zoom by on the right side, like straight up <laughs> Matrix style. And it was like that moment is one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in a video game. It was so mind shattering. Yeah. Uh, but I only played for maybe 10 or 15 minutes and already started getting a little nauseous. So sure. definitely uh, VR is not a long term thing for me. But uh just take some VR. I mean, dude, it's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then we also played some Switch stuff. We off- we played some Mario Kart when we were over there, and um, also did some Jackbox Party Pack. Yes, which Fibbage is a very good game. I've played Fibbage before; super fun. We also played on there the Survive the Internet, which is like internet mini games where you have to like leave reviews and it's the similar kind of fibbage where you're picking your favorites, et cetera. It's still yeah. fun. And then uh civic doodle where it's like drawing and then you're voting on it. What's your favorite. And uh, you drew a pretty good alien character, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but um, man. Uh, just some fun, like thing I've maybe ever drawn <laughs> some fun multiplayer switch stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Just not, not a ton that I've been playing and watching recently just because I've been busy with travel but um, oh, we also watched Shrek just yeah, as an offside because we were looking to kill some time on on you know that movie holds up. That's pretty good. It does pretty good movie still. Uh, yeah, some some I, of the effects are maybe not amazing. Like it right. looks weird in our modern digital time, but yeah. um, still a pretty fucking funny movie. Mostly, I'm excited because the next podcast we record. I will have seen Murder on the Orient Express. Ah. I will have seen Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I will have put a significant amount of time in Zelda. So I'm already looking forward to next podcast. Just as a little teaser for listeners. I'm seeing it on the 14th. 14th. Or maybe the 15th. Whatever whatever the Thursday night is. Yeah. In two weeks. Oh. Yep. I already got my tickets. And Kelly and I are actually seeing Murder on the Orient Express tomorrow. So... Um, I'll have a review for that as well. But yeah, lots of I stuff coming. Make sure coming. I see Star Wars. Some fucking movies coming out, bro. Um, yeah. But speaking of, we can jump into some news. So since we're already talking about movies, um, first trailer for Avengers: Infinity War came out. You have been kind of off the superhero movie bandwagon a little bit. What did you yeah. get out of this trailer? Um, it. Uh, it looks fine. I don't know, like nothing jumped out at me. Like, ooh, I mean that shot of Chris Evans in a beard with Black mm-hmm. Panther, like running very and some other people, yeah. like running in front of the Black Panther troops or whatever yeah. it was. Like that looked pretty cool. Yeah, that it's was pretty a cool epic shot. Yeah. Um, the whole like 
oh, we're beating down the superheroes, taking their stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, that's so <laughs> fucking stupid. And like, oh, yeah, watch I, out for this big, thick-necked purple dude. He's going to fuck you up. Thanos. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I also, I don't know anything about, it's Thanos, right? Yes. I don't know anything about him as a character. Like, he, I heard he just wants to rule everything, which is, like, right. the most boilerplate-ass lazy writing for a villain. Welcome so to stupid. comic books. <laughs> no, but, like, that, yeah. that's not all comic books. There are no, interesting I, villains. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. Have, yeah, but they have on to the, pick on, the dumbest, laziest option. On the cosmic scale, and this is true of Marvel and of DC, those are the villains. Like, they want to rule the universe, and there are, like, three of them on each side. Because Justice League, like, that was my big thing from this. And I think had I not seen Justice League, I would have been more excited by this trailer. And I do want to clarify, I'm still excited for this movie. I think it's going to be great. I have faith in the Russo brothers. But... It didn't blow me away on the whole because the general story they're setting up is Thanos getting these Infinity Stones to kill everything. And that is the plot of Justice League that I just saw is Steppenwolf getting these mother boxes so he can combine them to kill everyone. (laughs) And again, like you're saying, it just highlights how copycat marvel and dc are not even with the movies but like these are stories that have been going on in the comics for a long time and that's just what they do they steal ideas from each other and it's not like this is a particularly unique idea in the first place but i mean there were moments in it like i agree with you the whole like chris evans as solid snake seems pretty cool (laughs) and like the the big armies fighting like that seems epic it looks like the the bad guys that they're fighting in this are some sort of like four-armed alien creature which like dismissive wank cg enemies i don't know like that it, it they did this avengers it was the whatever aliens and then avengers age of ultron it was the ultron robots and it's just like bashing cg shit it just gets kind of meaningless um yeah but to me like though there was a little moment with uh tom holland as peter when he's on the bus and like his hair stands up on end like that spider sense that moment i thought was really fucking cool and then the little stinger at the end where thor sees the guardians that moment that was was the most exciting moment of me of the trailer which i think really tells me kind of where I am when it comes to Marvel because I'm getting kind of bored with these now. I was still excited for Thor Ragnarok. I was a little worried that it'd be trying too hard. Turns out that was the case, but it was still fun. And then I'm very excited for Black Panther because of the style of it. Seems very cool. Um, But on the whole, like the Marvel stuff, I'm kind of like I'm still going to go see them all. I'm sure I'm still going to enjoy most of them, but I'm not. I don't have the same feelings as I did, like when the first Avengers movie came out, that kind of thing. Right. So, I don't know. The trailer was underwhelming to me, but I still am excited. I guess. Yeah, I'm if mostly... there's anything that could get me to go see it, it would be the Guardians. Yeah, exactly, and, and that was to me that was the big takeaway of like, well, I guess I still really like Guardians of the Galaxy because right, none right. of the other characters really did much for me, but those were the ones that made me kind of perk up was when that moment happened. Um, but just to talk about it a little bit. So like, I'm, I thought it was interesting because there are several characters that weren't in the trailer, which I don't know if that is evidence of them not being in the movie or just a smaller role or whatever, but like Hawkeye wasn't in this trailer. Ant-Man wasn't in this trailer. Falcon wasn't in this trailer. War Machine wasn't in this trailer. So it's like, and those are all more the B-tier guys when it comes Wait, to Avengers, Fal- but... 
Falcon. Falcon's the black guy with the wings, right? Yes. He he was in the trailer. He oh, was he? Was he with guns? Cap? Yeah, there's okay. a quick I shot guess of I just him, didn't like, see him. dual wielding machine guns while he's flying. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. cool. Okay, yeah, that makes sense that he'd be with Cap anyway. Um, and I, I mean, it's possible. I only watched the trailer once, so it is possible that these other guys made brief appearances, appearances that I just didn't catch. But at least, like, the story they're setting up is Cap with Black Panther seemingly in Wakanda. I mean, because they kind of revealed that at the end of Civil War. And then, like, Iron Man working with... Uh, what black widow and hulk and the other people and, and dr strange that kind of thing so yeah. it, it there was some noticeable absences i guess was was my point um and then it seemed like loki was being a bad guy because he had one of the gem or the the whatever the blue box with the blue stone in it i don't remember the name of it but it looked, he was like ha- offering that it looked like he might have been offering it to someone maybe Thanos. And then there was another moment with vision where Loki's staff was in vision's head, trying to pry the yellow stone out of his forehead. It doesn't mean that it was Loki doing it, but it was his staff. At least it seemed. So I'm really, really hoping that Loki isn't a bad guy. Cause I'm so fucking sick of that. He's a bad guy. He's a good guy. He's a bad guy. He's a good guy. He's a bad guy. He's a good guy. Cause Thor Ragnarok did the same fucking thing. And I was bored of it then if they do it again i'm done with that damn character so hopefully that wasn't the case but infinity war it's going to be a movie i'm sure it's going to be epic hopefully it isn't bad um yeah hopefully into some more i guess substantial news so we talked about this last episode in the hate of the week with the whole battlefront 2 microtransactions so game's out Seems like maybe sales weren't as amazing as they were hoping. A lot of images going around on Black Friday of like game stores being sold out of everything except Battlefront 2. Having displays where like, you know, rows of games are empty and Battlefront 2 was full. I'm sure the game still sold fine. I don't have specific details on that. But it seems like it definitely was under, excuse me, under what they were hoping for. And because of that... Nearly three billion dollars in stock value is gone because of all these all this news. And obviously, stock value is not directly related to sales all the time. It's also about company perception, and certainly the company perception of EA is maybe the lowest it's ever been. Um, but I found that to be fairly interesting, and hopefully, it changes the way microtransactions are implemented into video games. Um, yeah, there's I don't know. some. We'll see. But because like EA is also even after this drop uh, throughout October and into November, even with that drop, they're still uh, the article says they're still above where they were at the same time last year. Yes, they still made money as a company, right. definitely. But this specific game didn't do what they were planning on it doing. And again, it's about the corporate perception is what affects that stock value and right. the future potential of the company and with when you know battlefront 2 is their biggest release of the year i guess that you could argue that maybe um fifa is from a global perspective but at least in the u.s battlefront 2 is their biggest release of the year and it's been disappointing not only in sales but in the way that it's being talked about and that doesn't really put ea in a good light to begin their fiscal year so i think that that it's more reflective of that than just whether or not they made money this year so what do you think happens with anthem now oh man i don't even know because that like people weren't down on it 
in fact, I saw a couple of people pretty excited about it online. I, I, think, I mean, I was. Yeah, I, I was excited. General perception of Anthem is, oh, they're making Destiny. Like right. Third-person Destiny. Okay. Like, you, right. you get together with your friends. It maybe doesn't necessarily have that bungee charm to the design and, you know, the tone. But maybe maybe there's something there to enjoy. I don't know. Maybe. So, I mean, what do you think? Because EA needs to come out swinging on the back end of all this negative press stuff. Like, what do you think that does to Anthem or any of their currently planned titles? I mean, do you think they push that stuff back and try and re reevaluate some of those systems? Because, like, I mean, do you think Anthem already had microtransactions planned? And sure. now they're like, oh, maybe we should pull them out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't think microtransactions are going anywhere from sure. a broad perspective. Did, I mean, did, had they even said that Anthem was coming in 2018? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't yeah, I don't know that they ever put that because to me, I didn't see this game coming out in 2018 anyway. Like it seemed like they would announce it for spring 2019, and then it would get pushed back to fall 2019. Sure. So it seems like it's fairly early on in the process. So they can make changes if they want to. My hope would be because I have no problem with microtransactions. When they are cosmetic. As, and as long as you can still earn those cosmetics in a way without spending real world money. And in a way that isn't manipulative and bad for the consumer that doesn't want to spend the money. So like, good example is how Destiny 2 has worked. And how about this for a fucking transition? Because we're going to talk about some Destiny 2 updates. So the way Destiny 2 worked, you level up your character. And once you hit level 20, those level ups don't mean anything from a progression standpoint. Other than you unlock bright engrams, which you turn in to get cosmetic shit. You can also buy bright engrams with real money to unlock cosmetic shit. The negative side there is you aren't buying actual cosmetics. You're buying, You're buying the random loot box. You're buying certain... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that isn't great. I don't like that. Um, but it at least that, has nothing Overwatch to do. That's what done, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just at least has nothing to do with the actual. Like, you can completely ignore all of that and still have the same Destiny 2 experience. It's just how do you want to customize your character with shaders and, you know, uh, uh, a shader for your exotic gun. Like, that kind of stuff. They're, they've changed now in Destiny 2, or at least they were changing, to make you get significantly less experience meaning you would level up significantly slower which means you're unlocking significantly less bright engrams which from a business perspective the answer is of why is to make people spend more real money on bright engrams because you aren't going to earn as many in the game that sucks ass to specifically change your systems to make it worse for the player to encourage them to spend money that's like fuck off and so they obviously got a lot of bad feedback on that. They've halted it for now. Well, They're the going to rework they did the system. It. The way mm-hmm. they did it was underhanded and like sneaky. Yes, they didn't even announce it. Out, it just happened. Yeah, they came out and said, yeah, it was not supposed to happen that way. Like, we apologize. We did not mean to like pull one over on anybody. So basically what was happening is you would kill something and you get XP. And a number pops up above your XP bar and the XP bar like goes up a tick. What was happening is that number that popped up was no longer accurate for the amount of XP you were actually getting. So right. it was telling you you were getting more XP than you really were. And people yeah. like noticed that. 
And, like, that's super shitty. But I guess apparently that was a mistake. And they did come out publicly and apologize for it. Like, they were like, yeah, oh, okay. that was not our intention to do it that way. This was an accident. And I, th- I think they fixed it already. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I read they put out, like, a long blog post, which if you are a Destiny 2 player, I encourage you to, to read it. It's on their website. That's not what I got from that blog post. But that's even better than what my understanding was. Because my thing was, like, they uh, – what I thought happened was they implemented this, and it just didn't work the way they intended it to work. Not that the whole thing was a mistake. So they have said that they are tweaking those XP rewards, which I think, like, that still opens the door for the negative change. Similarly to how EA has been, oh, we turned off microtransactions for now, but they're going to implement it later. There's still that danger. But Bungie also came out as part of this and did acknowledge, like, hey, we didn't – talk about this up front the way we should have that's our bad which like good on them for apologizing but it doesn't take away the fact that they tried to do it and get away with it um but they talked about a lot of other updates coming to destiny 2 obviously their dlc comes out uh in a matter of days which i actually forgot about which kind of tells me maybe i'm done with destiny 2 yeah Uh, i haven't played it in a couple of weeks i have so many other things on my plate i don't see myself going back to it anytime soon or buying the dlc um, but as part of the DLC, and then they're go- going to release another update in a couple of weeks, and then another one in January. And these are kind of all the things on their roadmap, one of which being that XP gain, figuring out how that's going to work. But they are also introducing a new tier of weapons called Masterworks that allow you to re-roll their stats and perks on the weapons. And this was in Destiny 1. They introduced that. I think it was in Taken King. They introduced that system to make the loot grind a little bit longer, which, like, from a player perspective, it keeps you engaged more, but it's less satisfying to earn a weapon. Because the way it is now... There's a specific weapon you want. Once you unlock that weapon, you have it. And that's the end. You have the weapon. But with this masterwork system where you can re-roll things, you can unlock a weapon, but it's not the ideal version of that weapon. So you either want to unlock a new one or you want to re-roll the stats to get that ideal version. So, like, there are positives and negatives on both sides. It... uh, makes you less likely to get the thing you want when you get it, but it at least is more in a more evolved process and a journey to kind of max out that weapon or armor piece. Um, They're also adding more things you can do with the legendary shards because people that play the game consistently right now, really the only thing you do with legendary shards is turn them into Xur and there aren't that many things that you can get from Xur anyway, because it's only the exotic weapons and armor. Uh, right. So they're that, adding that like cycle from week to week, and yes. apparently like they repeat a lot. I've heard. Yes, they have. Yeah, I even stopped. I used to check in every Saturday and buy something new, and I haven't even bothered because there are like there are because I play a hunt or a, I play a warlock. There are several hunter and titan exotics that I don't have, but I have all of the warlock exotics except one, and I have all of the exotic weapons except like two or three. So like chances are he's not going to have anything new for me anyway, so what's the point? Um, yeah, so, like, I understand they need to cycle that stuff so people who missed it can get it, but then it, mm-hmm. it trivializes what, like, your dedicated fan base is spending their time on. Because then they, tough... they wind up with the surplus of credits. It's like, what right. they really should do is every week he should have a new docket of three things and... 
the new stuff is at like the set price and then maybe there's last week's offerings for like 20% more. So hmm. like you're incentiv- you're idea. incentivized for getting in the week of because that's the cheaper way to get it. But if you miss it, not the end of the world, it's just going to cost you a little more. Maybe something yeah, that's like an that interesting idea. Work. I think the the difficulty for them, which I don't envy, is balancing casual players and hardcore players. Right. Because how do you reward the hardcore players with unique things and keep the game the longevity of the game there while also satisfying those more casual players who are only playing an hour to a week? Who the like the hard the more hard. Ugh. The harder content they're not going to engage with, the more in-depth systems they're not going to engage with. But you can't dumb things down too much because then you're turning you're turning away the hardcore customers. So it's 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 a difficult thing to balance. So they're at least their changes that they are making seem good for both audiences. We'll see how they're implemented. But specifically with Zer, his uh, uh, the things you can buy will remain the same. They'll cycle through every week. But they're also adding where you can just buy an exotic engram from him that will be randomized, but it will only give you an exotic that you don't already have. Oh. It's just way more expensive, which to me seems like a good solution because typically yeah. like a weapon, a weapon will cost like – 40 legendary shards and then an armor piece will cost like 20 to 30 legendary shards this exotic engram is like a hundred so really only people that have a lot of legendary shards are going to be buying that and it guarantees they'll be getting something new so that to me seems like a good balance of those because the casual players like me who i may log in for an hour a week earn six to ten legendary shards a week i'm never going to have enough to buy that exotic until like a month or two. And so I can log in and check Zuri. He may not have anything new for me. But after two months, I can guarantee that I will get one of those exotics I don't have. Sure. So that seems like a good balance. Yeah. And you know, maybe they should experiment with doing some sort of like login reward. Like a login bonus. Um, they like they a have a little. Cycle. Sure. They have a little bit of that where like every week. And I don't know if this is going to be the same because of how they're changing XP. But every week the first three level ups you level up like three times faster. So like it encourages okay. you to, it, it encourages you to play for a couple hours every week because you'll earn more bright engrams. So like okay. there are there are bits and pieces like that. And obviously you have the daily rewards where you can get some gear. You have the powerful gear you can earn from like doing the nightfall, whatever. So there are those little drips of content or of rewards to keep you engaged with the content. But for those hardcore players that like this is their game, they want to play for three or four hours a day. There just isn't enough for them right now because it's like you run the sure. nightfall once, you, it's not worth doing it again. You run the raid once, it's not worth doing it again. That kind of thing. Which, so, like, I mean, how do you design something other than a procedurally generated option? Like, yeah, how do you design so, something like at a quick enough pace to accommodate those kinds of players? I mean, that's that's tough. Right. So obviously, you know, I've mentioned the procedurally generated stuff a couple episodes ago as one of my potential fixes. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not a game designer. I'm sure that would be really hard to implement, but just that was my opinion on it. So what they're doing for Trials of Osiris is there is no new raid in this DLC, but they're adding raid layers, L-A-I-R-S, which are like little offshoots of the raid that will be more repeatable and they will each have a specific reward that you can only get in that layer that theoretically and hopefully will be more in depth than you randomly unlock it. Because that was one of the cool things in Destiny 1, which 
seemed to be lacking from Destiny 2 were exotic weapons and armor pieces that you had to do something very specific and mysterious to get. Uh, there just hasn't okay. really been anything like that in Destiny 2 the way there was in the first game. Yeah, so I think it's just been this like, seems to be their solution for that. Yeah, yeah, their exotic stuff for Destiny 2 is like, oh, kill a certain number of these right. enemies it's, in it's this It's all way. pretty straightforward. Yeah. You, you either you get it from an exotic engram, you buy it from Xur, you just get it as a random drop. There hasn't really been a ton of mystery around doing something special to earn that exotic that kind of separates you from the rest of the pack. Because, like, sure. I don't remember the name of the weapon, but there was there was a, a sniper rifle in Destiny 1 where you had to do a nightfall in a specific way that was insanely hard, and that was the only way you could get that exotic. So anyone that had it, it was a little bit of that like special feeling of like I'm a badass because I have this exotic. There isn't right. really anything like that in Destiny 2. It's like I have this weapon, but I got it as a random drop. I didn't do anything cool to earn it. So okay. seems like they're trying to implement a little bit more of that back into the game. That's smart. Yeah. Also, for those hardcore players, they're adding more uh, personalization options, more special ornaments, again, that you get through doing special tasks to kind of help separate them from the rest of the pack, make them feel a little bit special. And then for me, which I'm excited about, they're adding the Heroic Strike playlist back in. Because that's been one of my complaints since Destiny Destiny 2 came out was once you get to the end game, there's no reason to do strikes. The rewards aren't worth it, even though they're really fun things to do. And so they're adding the Heroic Strike playlist where I would assume they would guarantee you a legendary at the end with a higher chance for an exotic. You're going to get better gear, that kind of thing, by playing the harder versions of the strike. So that could bring me back to playing every a little bit more often. As well as, this isn't planned on their current roadmap, but they're still talking about ways of making the Lost Sectors better and making the adventures, kind of those repeatable side quests more worthwhile for endgame players because right now there's literally no reason to do them. Right. Uh, they're adding private matches to Crucible, which I know a lot of people care about. Um, uh, making the armor mods more impactful and a little bit less of a tedious process of like unlocking them, trading in the rare ones to get the the legendary ones, that kind of process. And then uh, also for legendary shards for people that have a shit ton of them. They're letting you buy specific things from vendors versus, and it's same with the tokens. Instead of just churning in tokens to level up your rep and getting an engram to get a random piece of gear, actually letting you use legendary shards and tokens to buy a specific piece of gear from a vendor, which also seems like a smart change for those hardcore players that are like, hey, my crucible set, I have everything but the crucible helmet, and I just have been getting unlucky with the engrams. This way I can actually use my legendary shards, use my tokens to just buy that helmet, finish the set. So that seems like a smart change again for those more hardcore players. So Okay. They're making good changes. None of it jumps out at me as like things that are going to drag me back into wanting to engage a lot with Destiny 2. But depending on how they're implemented, depending on how the DLC goes and the amount of content there, I could see myself jumping back in kind of after I wrap up all this end-of-the-year video game nonsense. Uh, what else do we have here? So um, a couple of news stories around... Final Fantasy. So, Kyle, do you want to talk about this a little bit? Just kind of what Square Enix has said about Final Fantasy. Yeah, so they said uh, 2018 uh, will be a big year for Final Fantasy fans. Yeah, Um, a bit of a general statement, but... (laughs) Yeah, pretty vague. Um, (laughs) I believe that means we're probably going to get the first part of the Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, Yeah. Which I am extremely excited for. I... Mm -hmm. 
So I've never actually beaten Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy VII. Uh, I've played probably the first half of it like three or four times. But I've mm-hmm. like I had friends back in middle school that I would like go over to their house and watch them play it and kind of in the latter game yeah. stuff. And I've seen the ending a few times via that method of absorbing the game. Um, I think it's got a really cool story. Uh, I think like, the characters are really memorable, and seeing it come to life in uh, with new technology and new gameplay mechanics will be really interesting. Um, I'm excited to see kind of how the community reacts to it, because I feel like it'll be... There there will be some crotchety old men that are like, this ain't my Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. But sure. um, you know, I think in uh, in a general sense this is a good thing for like classic games to be able like to show that storytelling in games has been uh competent well probably maybe more than competent for like since the inception of gaming and so being able to revisit these old classic stories um it, it's like uh, in in junior high if you were to read like Othello or actually, I guess that's probably more of a high school book, uh, like Othello or, you know, a classic, like a great works, but rewritten with more modern language and sensibilities. Like, you can still make the connections to the characters and the themes, and you can still appreciate the history and the culture that was put into the original work, but it's made in a way that's more relevant to you. I think mm-hmm. this method of revisiting older titles can do that for new gamers for younger the younger gaming generation so i think that's an interesting thing Uh, that 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 personally excites me sure um they also announced that you'll be able to swap the character you control in final fantasy 15 which yeah uh, it's interesting because like i bounced off of final fantasy 15 really hard i mean i put probably 15 hours into it and it was just kind of like i'm not having fun at all with the combat i don't i actively hate all the characters right. but a lot of people really liked that game and they've supported it really well with dlc that people apparently people have been engaging with so this is just like another way of making the game a little bit more fresh where you can control all those different characters in combat and kind of choose uh, who you, who you're playing as Right, and I guess I didn't realize there were all of these, all of this DLC that's been released for yeah. the game because I haven't touched it. Um, right, like I played it for about three hours, and that was it. Um, like there's, they're doing that fishing DLC thing, like yeah. Monsters of the Deep, whatever. And like they've, they had that Assassin's Creed crossover, and I guess each character has had like their own DLC episode, little mini story, them. right? Yeah, so this right. is like because I thought you could control the each character. I thought you could swap between no. them in combat, but I guess not. No? Mm-mm. I thought you could already no. do that. Um, no, you you play as... Noctis. Right, Noctis. I th- yeah, I could swear you could control the other guys. <laughs> I guess not. So, <laughs> a feature that I thought was already in the game <laughs> is in the game. Uh, I guess right. I just... I really don't remember the game as well as I thought I did those first few hours. But, uh, you know, for people who enjoy the game, this is great news. This does this in no way affects my drive to revisit it, but sure, um, it, it's good fan service for people who are still engaged with it. And it's weird because this doesn't strike me as like a games as a service kind of game, but they're adding content to it like it is. 
it's strange. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I see your point because like the character DLC, obviously those are like little side stories that are additive. But right. like the Assassin's Creed piece, the, like this changing characters, those are things that like if you've already beaten the game, you need to play it again in order to enjoy this. So yeah, it right. does seem weird. But I don't. But know. Maybe, I think maybe, it's maybe just... you don't. Maybe, maybe the end game is structured in such a way that like before you beat the final boss, or maybe you can even keep playing after you beat the final thing. Like, I don't know. I guess I don't know how the ending of that game is structured. And maybe it yeah, is open that's true. like that. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but, yeah. So, Square Enix gearing up for a big year next year, supposedly. Really mm-hmm. crossing my fingers for that Final Fantasy VII remake. I've been jazzed about that for, what is it, the past, like, ten years now? <laughs> Feels yeah. like. Yeah. I, I personally have a hard time believing that that's ready to release. But I also don't know how they're structuring it. They have said that it's going to be episodic. So... If it's a smaller, a relatively small chunk of the game, I guess I could see that being done. It's just them coming out and saying that it's going to be a big year for Final Fantasy fans, like, seemed weird to me. Because, like, Final Fantasy twelve remake just came out this year. They already had their iPhone game come out. They're obviously supporting Final Fantasy fifteen with DLC, but, like, there's not going to be a new Final Fantasy game next year. It just it seemed like a weird Final thing Fantasy to say. Come out this year? I'm gonna World of Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy. Uh, I think it was last year. Last year, Uh, I believe it was 2016. Okay, yeah, yeah. At the end of 2016, October 25th. So yeah, yeah, basically in the last year and a half, it's been. Yeah, there's been a lot showing. Yeah, Uh, but but it's like, what else is there other than that Final Fantasy VII, that first episode or whatever. I uh, guess we're so, going to find out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully there isn't just like a new iPhone game or something stupid. Yeah. But uh, I am a Final Fantasy fan, so I am also hoping that 2018 is a big year for Final Fantasy. I, too, am a Final Fan. <laughs> Final Fan. Uh, so we already talked about uh, What Remains of Edith Finch a little bit earlier. So announced that they're bringing that like an actual physical edition of it, as well as releasing a physical ad- a co- a copy of the soundtrack which were released in early 2018. Just wanted to mention that for anybody that hasn't played it. The soundtrack is very good, and um, a lot of the well, The I, thing like, they're the releasing is on vinyl, is cool. right? Yes, that's right, on vinyl. Yeah, yes, and that, I, I am 8-bit is doing it. They, they do most right. of the vinyl ports of game soundtracks. Yeah. So for collectors of that kind of thing, it's cool, and hopefully just brings more attention to that game because I thought it was really good. I, I probably liked, on, or I definitely liked Unfinished Swan better between the two, but I... Edith Finch, I thought, really flew under the radar this year, and I was a little disappointed by that. It, Depending on if I do... I don't know how I'm going to rate my games of the year yet, because I still have a lot of games to play. If I do a top ten, it will definitely be on there. A top, If I do a top five, it may not squeak on, but I really enjoyed uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Finally... Ashley Birch is coming back as Chloe for a special episode of Life is Strange. So this is obviously due to the voice actress strike that had happened. It's over now, and so they were able to get her back. She's not voicing for the main three episodes. Obviously, episode two already came out. I don't think episode three is out yet. But she's coming back and doing a special episode with the actress that played Max. So it will have both of them in it. The thing that annoys me about this is it's only available for the deluxe version of the game, which I don't even really know what that is. Because, like, I bought the season pass, so I guess I'm not even getting this. I don't know. It seems kind of shitty the way they've structured that. 
Well, so it, I don't think they've commented on whether or not it will be available separately. I don't know. I don't think they have That's come true. Out and said yes or no That's on true. it. I bet this is something they make available for a separate purchase. Um, I would but, hope, but that's still annoying pass though. Holders. Like, yeah. but that's the that like in this is a whole other rant, and it hasn't been as bad in recent years. But when season passes first started, it's called a season pass. Give me everything right. in the season, and then to right. come out and be like, "Oh, well, here's season two. That's already kind of shitty, but I get it. But to have here's the season pass, and then there is thing there are things that aren't included in the season pass. Like, fuck you. That's the whole <laughs> fucking point is to get the whole package. It's annoying. Right. Yeah, I hear you, and I, uh, I hope they kind of I hope they clarify or backpedal on that a bit and uh, mm-hmm. make it available for everyone because I I do still want to play. Um, the new life is strange and I love Ashley Birch. I think she's very talented. She's hilarious. And she's become like a, a positive female voice, um, and figure in the, um, kind of back end of the games, uh, development world. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I definitely want to support, uh, everything she's in. So hopefully I get a chance to play this bonus episode. I heard like the, the girl that voiced Chloe, uh, Devries. Is that her last name? I don't I know her Devries. name. Um, I heard she did a, a nice job. Uh, kind yeah, of she, well, in. I've only played the first episode. She's good, okay. absolutely. And to me, like, I, I thought Ashley Birch was great as Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn. Right. Yes. I'm not like I'm not like a follower of Ashley Birch. Like, I'm not buying something because she's in it. Uh, and so I would say, like, it didn't bug me that she wasn't in this. Other sure. than it was her, it was it's her gig, and she didn't get to do it because of the writer strike, and that sucks. Right. That that was really my only feeling on that. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean the the woman who filled in and and played Chloe, I, I think does a perfectly fine job in the existing episodes. Cool. So moving on, since I was already on a little bit of a rant about season passes, might as well jump into hate of the week. Hate of the week. So this one for uh, this episode is. Again, a little bit of a self-inflicted wound. And I just want to talk about the end-of-the-year push to, like, rush and finish everything. Like, play all the video games that I have and watch all the movies that I missed. And that general feeling of, like, I'm obligated to do all of this. Because for me personally, and this is, again, totally my own fault, but it ruins my fun with a lot of the things. Because when I'm playing one game, if I'm not 100% into it, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I should be playing this other game instead, instead of giving the game I'm playing a real chance. And it just annoys, I I annoy myself when it comes to that. Uh, But uh, part of it is also, we talked about the giant bomb game of the year uh, deliberation podcasts and i just love listening to those so much that i don't want to when they start to release in like mid-december i don't want to wait to listen to them but if i haven't played some of the games they're talking about that i don't want spoiled i don't want them spoiled so i have to wait and finish the games first and there are just especially now that i have a switch there are just so many games that i need to play that i own and even games that i still don't own so obviously i have 
Zelda, Assassin's Creed, and Prey that I need to play that I already own. But then there are the games that I know are going to be big spoiler-heavy games that I still want to play, like Nier Automata, Mario Odyssey, whether or not I decide to play Wolfenstein, and then um, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice I know was a really cool game that I would want to try out. And then there are a bunch of those like mid-tier games that I just never wanted to invest the money in when they first came out. That now that I've heard good things about them, I still want to play. So I, I made a little list of the things that I need to play here. So Night in the Woods, Pyre, Rhyme, Cuphead, Hollow Knight, and then I still want to play the Star Wars Battlefront 2 single player. So like there is zero chance that I can play all of those things in the next three weeks, much less right. the next two months. So it's like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about it. I'm, they're just, I mean, there are going to be things that I don't play, and it is what it is, but it annoys me. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> and then, I mean, there's the whole other thing, because um, I haven't done it before on my site, but this year, because I have made a kind of a conscious effort to see more movies, I wanted to do a movie list, too, like my favorite movies of the year. And I already have a strong list of, like, the fun movies, like, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming, those kind of things, but... I haven't seen as many of the actual kind of like Oscar caliber movies as I would like. So I have a whole fucking list of those things too. In addition to just other fun movies that I wanted to see this year. Some of them I know probably aren't great, but I wanted to see anyway. So here, let me give you the full list of fucking movies (laughs) that I need to watch in the next three weeks. Baby Driver, Free Fire, Valyrian in the City of a Thousand Planets, Ghost in the Shell, Blade Runner 2049, Dark Tower, Atomic Blonde, Hitman's Bodyguard, Death Note, It, American Assassin, Mother, American Maid, Kingsman, Snowman, Meyerowitz Stories, Suburbicon, Jim and Andy, and Pixar's Coco. Much less the movies that come out this month, The Disaster Artist, Downsizing, and The Greatest Showman. So I basically, I'm going to watch a movie every day for the rest of the year, and I still won't finish that whole list. Jeez. I hate it. What about TV shows? (laughs) Yeah, there actually aren't as many shows this year because, like, I don't have the obligation of making a top ten shows list that I've kind of committed to. But, like, obviously I really need to watch Punisher. I'm probably going to try to start that today, actually. And then um, Kelly started watching The Handmaid's Tale a while ago and had really good things to say about that. So she wanted to watch that with me because she kind of burns out on shows if she's watching them by herself a little more easily. So it's better when we watch them together because we both kind of encourage each other to watch them. And, like, the second season of The Path came out, so I need to watch that. It's just, like, there's not enough time in the day. Add on top of that the fact that, you know, I work a full-time job, I'm still writing my stuff for my site, and I'm looking for a job, which is, like, a whole other full-time job. Right. Too much shit. Too much shit. Not enough time in the day, man. What What are your big priorities? And I guess the video games mean more to you than the movies and everything else, but, like, what are your big games that you're looking to finish this year? Um, definitely Wolfenstein 2. I'll probably finish that this week. Mm-hmm. Um... I would like to get a good chunk of the way into Assassin's Creed so I can kind of talk. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? So I can I can speak um, <laughs> with, with I so I can be informed, well informed for our discussions. Um, yes, I would really like to hop into Super Lucky's Tale. I don't necessarily feel like I have to beat it, but I do want to mm-hmm. see how my nostalgia has 
waxed or waned over the years for that style of platformer. Um, right. I guess... I don't know. I, I mean, I, well, I, you do, haven't played... I do want to play South Park. I do want to play South Park. I don't know that I feel like yeah. I need to finish it by the end of the year. Sure. Um, but you haven't played Mario either, have you? I've seen a lot of it. Okay. I, I've seen a lot of what it has to offer, and I've heard kind of cryptic comments on the Bombcast about what happens in different worlds and stuff uh, and towards the end of the game. So that's not one that I feel like I have to experience for myself before the end of the year because I know it wouldn't mm-hmm. make it onto like one of my top games anyways. Um, okay, and you've kind of given up on Nier, playing Nier I, th- I think so, yeah. I, yeah. I want to finish it eventually, but I don't feel like I need to right now. Yeah, and that that's, I mean, other than Mario Odyssey, Nier is definitely top of my games I don't own yet that I need to play before I listen to the podcast because I know they're going to be spoiling a lot of it. Yeah. But it is one of those, like, I don't want to pay full price for it because I'm just going to put it on easy. Like, I played the demo and it didn't really grab me, but I want to see the insanity in that game. More so than I want to see the insanity in Wolfenstein, even. So it's like I was trying to get it on Black Friday. I just couldn't. Amazon had it for thirty-five bucks, but they kept running like they ran out of copies, and so I couldn't buy it. It was on sale, or no, it was twenty-five dollars on Amazon. Uh, PlayStation Network they had it on sale for thirty-five, which was still like more than I wanted to spend on it. So I don't know. I may not get to play that game, unfortunately. But that other than Mario Odyssey and the games that I already own, of which there are like six. That's kind of top of my need to playlist. Yeah. Um, obviously, I want to play more Skyrim. Uh, I would. I still want to beat. I entered Far Harbor in Fallout Four right. with my new character. Uh, well, not new. My new modded character. Um, so, I I, I want to play through that because I got screwed out of the ending I wanted the initial time I went through Far Harbor because I made some stupid mistake towards the end. Um, so I want to do it right this time, and I have a couple of modded quests that are there that I want to play and experience that can only be accessed through Far Harbor. Um, so I want to do that stuff. Unturned is getting the new 4.0 update that like changes a lot of the lighting engine and the way the animations work and kind of, right. like, kind of a lot of, they add a lot of control and the handling on the guns, all that stuff is going to change pretty dramatically. So I do want to spend some time with that when that gets released. That's supposed to happen within the next month uh, before the end of the year. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I do. <sighs> yeah, I, guess, I guess I, need... I don't feel like I need to beat Horizon before the end of the year. I want to play the Resident Evil Seven DLC. I do want to. do Okay, that. yeah, I saw that that was coming out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, you you need to see Star Wars, obviously. Right. Yeah, I'll have to go see that. But there aren't there aren't really any other movies that you felt like you missed. Um. Well, here, let me look at your list real quick. I mean, I obviously, would, there are plenty like of great I heard movies good stuff but... about Baby Driver. Yeah, um, no, nothing that you feel like you need to like watch eminently. Like if it, no. you know, if you watch, if you went and saw Baby Driver in like two years, it wouldn't bother you, right? And same with the new Kingsman yeah. movie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I guess there isn't really anything else that's kind of tugging at me real hard right now. Yeah, I guess. It's yeah. Kinda... It... I guess for me, like the biggest part of it that makes it hate of the week is just that feeling of obligation because sure. of my website and like the podcast too. I want to have stuff to talk about on the podcast, but like I want to write reviews when they're timely. I want to put out a top 10 list of games when it's timely, that kind of thing. And so I feel that obligation to rush and 
watch as much stuff as possible especially like before the oscars once those nominations come out i'm sure there are a couple movies i've never even fucking heard of that are going to be on the oscar noms list that i'm going to feel like I, I should see because i just that used to be a priority of mine i used to try to see every oscar nominated movie for best picture and i used to try to like be more involved in that and i've really fallen off in the past couple of years just because of time and i made a commitment to do more of that this year and i certainly have seen more movies this year but most of them have been fun movies like the only two like it sounds dismissive to the other types but the only two real deal movies that i saw this year were wind river and dunkirk which were both phenomenal but like i haven't seen a lot of the other dramas that i feel like i should see so yeah anyway i guess that's gonna do it for this episode as always we'll end it with some positivity yeah. My name is Shay, and today I don't hate the Christmas decorations that Kelly has started putting up. We have a tree up, we have some lights, we have a wreath on the door, and I'm, I think we're going to get a little bit... We, we still need to put our ornaments on the tree. I'm sure she's going to have some other things, and it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, Kyle. <laughs> Same And I'm okay with it. I um, the the choir kids do Yankee candle sales, uh, so I bought some stuff. Mm-hmm. So we've like had gingerbread maple candles burning. Nice. Get the gingerbread smell. Uh, yeah. We put up a couple couple of small things. Uh, we bought a bowl at IKEA that we filled with giant ornament bulbs, so we could put on right. our dining room table. You know, like some basic white person decorating. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so our ours as well, and I think Kara today she's gonna pull down our fall decorations on the porch and we're going to put up a couple of christmas ones we still we need i I always loved those big wooden snowmen that mom had made out of the logs uh okay i think i'm picturing them yeah so it's like those that's those cross sections of logs for the body the torso and the head right uh and the sticks for arms i always like those i would like to get a big one of those for our porch yeah Um, that'd be cute and uh kara's mom got us this cute little red sleigh this old sleigh that's painted red, so that's going to be out mm-hmm. there too. Um, but yeah, so uh, my thing is uh, today I don't hate watching one of my kids teach another kid how to play checkers because oh, that's cute. It's uh, two I've um, I work with cognitively and physically um, impaired children at a high school, and two of my cognitively impaired children, one of them. He loves chess, and we don't have a chess set. Mm-hmm. We have checkers, but so he plays checkers sometimes. And he grabbed a, a girl from our class who's never played it before, and was like trying to explain to her and teach her the rules as they were playing. Yeah, and he yeah. mercilessly destroyed her um, <laughs> in the first thing. But like she took a couple of his pieces, and so she was all excited that she took a couple of his pieces the first time she played it. And it was mm-hmm. like I was sitting there at my desk as the. End of the week, it's Friday. It's the last period of the day. That's my planning period. I didn't have anything to do. So I was just sat there and like watched them, watched him teach her, or I guess try to teach her all the rules of checkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like as they're playing, like, oh, and like she, she would try to jump. She tried to like put her piece on top of his piece. He's like, no, no, you have to, you have to jump like across. Mm-hmm. And so if you were to jump here, there's another piece here that would stop you. And like, you then go off the board, so you can't do that move. And then, like, but he was also helping her, so she jumped one of his pieces. He's like, "You could also jump this piece because 
you can jump multiple pieces if you can keep the moves going and then he's like helping mm-hmm. her out and it's like a really nice a really nice moment because <laughs> that boy especially can be a real piece of work sometimes <laughs> so it, it was nice to like see him like yeah. cooperating with another student so yeah. that warmed like my heart that. on friday yeah it's a nice christmas prep yes yeah it was it was in the spirit of the holidays absolutely so, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today, everyone. Thank you for listening. And, Kyle, as always, thank you for joining me. You got it. Um, like I said, next episode will definitely be a whopper. Have some big uh, movie releases to talk about. Hopefully I'll have spent a million hours with Legend of Zelda and I'll yeah. be able to talk more uh, uh, in depth about that. And hopefully I will have maybe seen some of these movies that are on my list of like 30 movies. So uh, we will see you guys in the next episode. Peace out.